So there are three things that I think happen in self-denial. I think the first thing is they ask us to pray, to be listening to what is happening overseas, to be praying for them because they know without the Spirit working, nothing happens. They ask us to, um, to give, to offer something, and they suggest that you try giving up your weekly coffee or takeaway or entertainment. But nowadays, most people sign up to a streaming thing, so I don't know how that works out. Um, try, they suggest try catching public transport or walking or biking to work or giving up screen time. Ooh. I, watched, stopped, I should have stopped and seen if anyone flinched at that moment. <laughs> giving up screen time or your computer time or television time or phone time. They suggested becoming a vegetarian for a month, giving up meat. Or just uh, uh, for the really practical, if those are all too hard, just try putting a dollar in a jar every time you say something negative. Oh, there's a revealing one. The last thing that I think happens in the self-denial thing, so I, and, and the raising money matters. People like the Bloomfields can't be in Thailand if we are not giving, if we are not supporting and praying for them. But the other thing that's going on here is also, I think, a listening. In the history of the church, God's church, very often it's been missionaries that are grappling with stuff that we can avoid. Within our nice, comfortable walls, we can sort of arrange things the way we like. Very often it's been the missionaries at the cutting edge. Because God goes before us into the world that God loves. And we play, kind of play catch-up, which happens again and again and again in the book of Acts. And it happens in ways you don't expect, where you trip over things. I can remember working in Hong Kong for a computer company, and that was cool. Um, and then we shifted offices, and so they sacrificed a pig. And as a Christian, I was going, hang on. What does that mean for me? You know, where, do I get involved in that? Do I not get involved? How do I respond to that? So it's often outside our cultural boundaries that we have to figure out, well, how do we respond to this? And the missionaries are doing this all the time. They're figuring out how do things work. What we know is that when you meet Christ, there is this newness. We are given a new spirit. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. And when it's new, it's really easy to recognize that. As you get older, longer following Jesus, sometimes you can lose touch with what that's about, this newness. The old is gone, the new is here. But how do you work that way? And when in mission, what you end up having to do is trust the Spirit working. Which is why I think the missionaries guys said, hey, can we pay some attention to the Holy Spirit, to a new spirit? What is that like? Got a second video clip for you. Do you remember the day you gave your heart to Jesus? The day we gave our hearts to the Lord is a special day, a day we remember and cherish. It's a day that, that we're made new. Uh, I got baptism on, uh, baptized on August 21st. And uh, uh, on that day, it was my husband's birthday also then. On that same day, we both just got new life. I got my new life, newborn that day. There are so many people who are yet to be touched by the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. They are people who are in desperate need of a spiritual transformation. However, we are rejoicing because we have faith. Faith that God is stirring the hearts of many people right across Asia. 
now also I have faith that when the Holy Spirit works, no power can just stop the work of the Lord. In the days of Father, Father was working. In the days of Son, Son was working. Now the time of the Holy Spirit is working for us. That is what I believe, very firmly I believe. Our NZB MS team are seeing amazing things happen within the ministries we are part of. We ask that you pray along with us that the Spirit will find his way into the hearts of many more people in the nations throughout Asia and that those who have confessed that Jesus is Lord will be encouraged in their faith and a shining light to those they encounter daily. In the Bible, the Spirit is present at creation, before creation, but appears to be something that will come on someone for a period of time and disappear. Appears to be a patchy thing, a thing that their people are looking through for. After Jesus dies and is resurrected, he gets together with the disciples and says, hey, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Wait for the Spirit. And actually to work in mission is very often to wait for God. We know what we want God to do, but actually to wait for God. And that's a bit harder. So the disciples are told to wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, of course, did what we all do. They next say in John, they say, um, sorry, in Acts, uh, Hey, so is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They say, can we have the timetable, please? I'd like to wait for God, but can I make an appointment for 10 o'clock? Yep, which um, Jesus then kind of dodges that and says, no, 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 that's not how it works. It's not for you to know the times or dates. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world. Again, when you step outside our comfort zone and we go to a place where people don't know Jesus, how do you know something is happening? Well, you're looking to see the Spirit helping you be the witnesses. And so the disciples wait for God. Just to mess with your heads a little bit, actually in John, John has this funny bit where he's gathered with the disciples and he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So even while they were waiting for the Spirit, they had the Spirit. Which fascinates me because I think that's often our case. You have the Spirit at work in you. But you are waiting to see the Spirit work in situations around. There's that waiting that I think is built into following Jesus. In Isaiah it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And so, if you were a missionary and you went to another country, the first thing that would happen is they would ask you to learn the language. That's kind of what the Bloomfields have been doing. And in most missionary organizations, they would say, don't do anything else. And you, because you've got people paying you money to go there, and like a Westerner, you want to get stuff done, what do you want to do? 
you want to do something, give me a project, give me a... And most missionary organizations will say, no, 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 your job is to learn language and learn the culture, and that's it. And so you wait. And in fact, the first experience, if you do a cross-cultural experience of some kind or another, is that you'll see that there's a lot of waiting involved, because it's not all about you. The people in the world who don't have to wait, they're the ones it's all about. The queen, I imagine, hardly has to wait. If she wants to go somewhere, she gets to go there, though it may smell of fresh paint. This happens to us. And in fact, it's happened in the history of the church in New Zealand. Um, has anyone seen this graph before? It's a graph of baptisms. It's a bit dated as a graph. A graph of baptisms that have happened, um, they've recorded in Baptist churches they've got since 1940. And I put it up there just because it steps us back from our current setup for a little bit. The first, there's a wave here, and that's Billy Graham came to New Zealand. Did anyone here go and see Billy Graham? I put my hand down. They reckon statistically one in four people in New Zealand went to see Billy Graham. That was massive. And lots of people became Christians. Big deal. At a time when there was uh, three channels on the television and not as much nightlife. <laughs> um, and it was pretty popular. And in fact, the, most of the people who became Christians at Billy Graham's age decided that this is how God works, a charismatic speaker. So in the 19, late 1970s, early 1980s, there's another wave of baptisms, and that's what we now call the charismatic renewal. Uh, we were suddenly singing scripture and song. Who's sung scripture and song? And those, yep. do, you know the, do you know the color of the books? The, there was the blue book. I, I, I love your blank expressions. It's really good. <laughs> Maybe so, but I'm betting you can sing, this is the day. No? Oh, good, excellent. <laughs> Lots of people became Christians. We call it a renewal because the statistics don't suggest it was a revival. Lots of people became Christians. It brought all this life and wildness to the church and was a glorious move of God. But the people who became Christians at Billy Graham's age largely said, hang on, can this be of God? Where's that speaker? And the next bulge happens in the 1990s. That's down over here, and which as far as we can tell was a product of programs. We ran the purpose. Did, did Parklands do the 40 Days of Purpose? Yep, we ran programs like 40 Days of Purpose and Alpha and things that told you were nice and sensible, here's how things worked in Christianity. And actually, there's quite a lot of baptisms. And of course, what do you think happened there? What do you think the people who became Christians in the charismatic renewal said? But where's the gifts? This thing just feels like program. And yet we can see these bulges. Okay, now what you're all thinking, well, I'm thinking is, so what now? And I don't know. What I know is that when God's Spirit moves, I want to be there. And I want to be one of the ones who says, yes, God, move. Even if it doesn't come in the same clothes as the last movement. That's how I don't know that I can. But I'd like to be. I'd like us to be. And in the meantime, I think we are waiting for God to move. We're waiting, just as the missionaries in Thailand are waiting, saying, how are you going to move God? Because God's Spirit goes before us into things. So, just briefly, what kind of spirit are we talking about? Well, Jesus talks about it in John and talks about an advocate 
the Spirit who the Father will send in my name and teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you, which highlights three things for me in there. One is the Spirit is sent in the name of Jesus. It is the Spirit of Jesus. And I'm a bit boring about this. I keep saying we need to use the word Jesus with the Spirit because Holy Spirit can mean anything in different contexts. It is linked to Jesus. I love there is teaching. I will teach you all things. That means things we don't yet know we will come to understand. That's great. So we don't have it all. And I love that and linked with that is the reminding of the things, the words that Jesus had said, bringing us back to the character of Jesus. Last thing I want to say. So this is, this is the spirit of the one God revealed by Jesus. That is what this new spirit is like. And you need that in the mission field because if you see God moving, it may not be in the way that you expect. It may not come in the clothes that you expect. And in fact, I found myself wondering, it's cute, isn't it? But if you watch the vids, you might have gone, hang on, were, were they using that in some kind of religious ceremony that wasn't Christian? So can we have this here? It's a legitimate question. In the book of Acts, what you see the Spirit doing is there is this explosion of energy in Pentecost. And suddenly barriers are crossed and people are speaking in different languages. And there's a crossing of boundaries, a new community and radical sharing. And then in the book of Acts, you have problems. Because when it starts, only Jews are becoming Christians, so that's pretty easy. And when non-Jews become Christians, well, they have to do the works burger. They have to eat kosher food, um, circumcision. All the, all the kind of things of Judaism are, are taken as part of it because Christianity starts almost as a Jewish sect. But then it gets complicated. Hang about, does that really how it works? And so reading through Acts, you see the spirit keeps going outside the boundaries and the disciples start going, ah. Oh, Peter is sent off to Cornelius, a person he should not associate with, and sees the Spirit fall on Cornelius and his family says, oh, this is something God is doing. And then he goes back and they have to fight about it. And so you get fights about this kind of thing. Can you use this? Can you use something that might have not have holy Christian roots? And so that becomes more common when you go to the local marketplace. How many of you ask about how the meat you buy at the supermarket, how it came to be there? Well, in their day, the local butcheries were the temples. So can you eat meat that was sacrificed as a temple? Because that's what they did mostly, is you'd take it to the temple, it'd get sacrificed, cut up there, and then that meat would be on salt. So can you, this is why in the early church there's this discussion about, can you eat meat that comes from a non-Christian temple? There being no Christian temples. And Paul has something to say that I think is fantastic for all of us. So... Bear with me for a moment. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And they are asking him, can you meet, eat meat that's come from questionable background? And Paul is doing his level best to neither say yes or no. Yep. And he says, about me, food being sacrificed to idols, we know an idol is nothing at all in the world. Can I, can, actually, can you read that for me, with me? We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. Keep going, and that there is no God but one. Pause. What's he saying? They're not gods. That's right. 
because there is only one God. Now, there might be spirit, there do appear to be spiritual baddies, but they're not gods. How many gods are there? One. I'll also accept three because it, Trinity is confusing. There is one God revealed in Jesus and, that, uh, and his spirit. There is one God and Father, which is what Paul writes, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ. When he is saying that, what he's saying, these guys who've been, it, this meat that's come out of temples, don't sweat it. You don't have to sweat it because... There's one God, just one God. And that means have some fun. They actually use these um, for, uh, well, I'm going to show you in a moment. They showed you the um, video clip of people pouring water onto older people. Here's what they've told us about these. They're used in the Thai New Year Festival, Songkran. And I don't know that much about it, so I'll read you what NZBMS have said. These small silver bowls are used to pour water over the hands of respected elders, and it's done to symbolically demonstrate honour and respect to the older generation. Anybody here as part of the older generation who feels like they could do with a little bit of honour and respect? No, we are all very secure, aren't we? Isn't that nice? And as part of this practice, young people seek cleansing and forgiveness for wrongs done in the year before, and the elders pray a blessing on them. Now, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Okay? So, that sounds like offering respect, honoring, forgiveness, blessing. Those sound like the kind of clothes that go with a faith in Christ, don't they? So, actually, NZBMS picked this symbol because local churches in Thailand have started to use this as a way of talking about the love of God. They will take their bowl and they will go and offer respect to people and they will tell them about how there is love and respect and forgiveness and that Christians celebrate the cleansing through the blood of the Lamb. They use it to talk about God regardless of where it comes from because they don't have to be worried about its providence, where it comes from, because how many gods are there? One. One spirit, and we don't need to be scared because Christ will make all things new. The message they've got for us is to say, trust the spirit. Don't be scared. Don't think you have to mince around and, and tiptoe, but trust that God will work. And sometimes you can use what is at hand. So they write, as we seek cleansing, we can celebrate the forgiveness we receive through Christ's work on the cross. As blessings are prayed over the year ahead, we can give thanks and praise for the blessings poured out to us by a heavenly Father. What they don't write is that um, this is also a kind of a festival of a water fight, a huge water fight. Um, this is the Bloomfields, and what you'll see there is they have um, water pistols. Um, the kids have water pistols because that's what everyone does at this really hot time just before the rainy season comes. They have a huge water fight. And these are really useful for this, which I'm telling you when the kids are out. <laughs> and uh, part of me would quite like us to have a water fight because they're huge amounts of fun. But I decided we couldn't do it in here because the lights and, and it's not our hottest time of the year. So I'm afraid I've gone for boring. Their message is trust the Spirit of God. While well, I specifically say trust the Spirit of Jesus, we don't know what the Spirit is doing. 
I want to link it to this. I want to link the Spirit to Jesus always. Because what we tend to do is use language of the Spirit when it's good stuff that we like. We will say it's when, when someone gives an encouraging word, that's the Spirit at work. When a whole bunch of people are suddenly blessed, that's the Spirit at work. We have more difficulty when we deal with suffering. And yet sometimes that too is the Spirit at work. Quick story for you. Um, does anyone recognize this picture? It's, it's quite nasty, but it's pretty famous. Oh, can I? Oh, no, not that one. This one. This is the, uh, the, the photo taken during the Vietnam War. Um, the girl, she's known as Napalm Girl. She's got no clothes on because she's been burnt badly by Napalm. Horrendous story. Huh. And sadly, I can't see the notes here. The woman, that is, woman is the girl. She's grown up. She lives in America. She is now a Christian. She was reading through some literature about religion, and she tried to sum up what she saw in the Bible, and here's what she wrote, writes. His entire ministry seemed to point to one straightforward claim. I am the way you get to God. There is no other way but me. And then second, she wrote, this Jesus had suffered in defense of his claim. He had been mocked, tortured, and killed. Why would he endure these things, I wondered, if he were not God? I had never been exposed to this side of Jesus, the wounded one, the one who bore scars. I turned over this new information in my mind as a gem in my hand, relishing the light that was shed from all sides. What am I saying? I think we're supposed to trust Jesus even in our pain. I think that this, sometimes in our lives for God to work love deep within us, deep within me, then it is like running a plow over ground. You experience this breaking. And actually, it's not a lot of fun. I don't highly recommend it. You come out with love worked deeper at the end. Even in this, we should trust the Spirit is at work without clear answers. So what I wanted to do was pause and wait for a short time. <laughs> I'd like to pray and then for us to sit still for a couple of minutes and for you to reflect on where are you waiting to see God work? On where is there signs of God working or where could God be working, breaking up what there is in you in a process that maybe have some pain? Holy Spirit, you are present when we gather, which means you are present now. And you love us and go before us. We invite you to whisper to us through our mind's voice to speak in your many ways. We're going to sit quietly and listen. You are welcome.
when we're quiet and we still ourselves, things bubble up from inside. And you can have this kind of mental conversation go in your head about, well, pay attention to it. If you feel like God's Spirit is saying something to you, actually just hold on to that. Maybe run it past someone else. How I'm wondering. When I started, I got up. We sang that song, Oh, the Overwhelming Love of God. That is God's first, that we are loved. God's first. And in our praying and our time with God, to sit and know that you are loved. So I'm going to ask the team to come up. Yes, you're going to lead us in What a Beautiful Name. Is that right? Have we, have we got a song? Yes. Cool. We've got a song. We're going to, after the song, we're going to re-say that prayer we started with. But I'd invite you to continue kind of in your head and heart conversing with God, and I'd invite you to have a conversation <laughs> with someone else afterwards. Um, Two things from me. Um, first up, I forgot to take up the offering, as six people have told me already. Um, so we'll take it up in the next song. Um, also, JJ went so hard in the last song, he started bleeding. So um, big ups to JJ for that dedication. Love that. Um, can we please okay. stand to our feet as we sing this last song?